Warning. This review contains spoilers. It also contains opinions that may be different from yours. If you're allergic to other opinions, but decide to listen anyway, make sure you have an EpiPen handy, or at least a Benadryl. I recently became involved in an imbroglio at the online forum of the New Republic over the question of whether Sengui Cho, the man responsible for the recent Virginia Tech massacre, should be thought of as mentally ill or merely evil. What got my ire up was that the argument for evil was being put forward by a person who calls himself a psychiatrist. I've had a little training in psychiatry, and I frequently come into contact with the mentally ill on my day job, and after fifteen years of practice I don't recall ever making a diagnosis of evil. Of course, calling Cho evil is a great way for psychiatrists, and all the rest of us, to wash our hands of him. No need to think about why he did what he did, or how we as parents and administrators and policy makers and health care providers and citizens can help prevent such things from happening again. The guy was just evil. We must fight evil. End of story. Most of the time, I think calling something evil is just a comforting cop-out that insulates us from taking a hard look at our world and ourselves. We see this ploy used a lot now in our politics, our cultural dialectic, and our entertainment. And this evil is often portrayed as something external, outside, inhuman. Of course, this approach is nicely suited to CGI-laden SF entertainment, like Spider-Man 3. You were probably wondering when I was going to get to the point. In Spider-Man 3, evil arrives in a meteorite. It's a cool, spidery, jet-black substance that crawls around looking for somebody to churn into an arch-villain. In some ways, I thought it was the most entertaining character in the whole film. Unfortunately, the first person it finds is Peter Parker, who does seem to attract weird phenomena. Once it attaches to Spider-Man, it forms a skin of evil and brings out the worst in the web-slinger. Anger, impulses to vengeance, arrogance and ill-considered attempts to look hip. Let's face it, Tobey Maguire will never look hip. So you see, Spidey's moral crisis in Spider-Man 3 isn't really his fault. He's been infected by the skin of evil. And that sucks, because there's so much bad stuff going on in this movie that Gotham needs the web-slinger to be in tip-top shape, morally speaking. Spider-Man 3 is cluttered with plot lines, too many for one movie, I think, so that we end up being unable to really invest in any of them. The guy who really murdered Peter's uncle has escaped from prison and has been transformed by some weird particle beam into a morphing sand creature, bent on stealing vast wads of cash so he can save his dying daughter. Peter's friend Harry, as the new goblin, is surfing the skies, still looking for vengeance for his father. An unscrupulous reporter from Peter's own paper is trying to set up Spider-Man as a villain. And Peter's main squeeze, MJ, as it turns out, can't sing so well, and has lost her Broadway gig. She really needs Spider-Man to feel her pain right now. But you can't fight crime, defend your rep, or be empathetic when you're infected by evil. For what it's worth, 
I can see what the filmmakers were trying to do here, and I think their hearts were in the right place. Sorta. Take a superhero, and let him try to battle evil while also fighting against the worst in himself. But the symbolic setup of the movie cripples itself, because Spider-Man isn't really struggling with his own flaws. In the end, all that he has to do to win out over pettiness and rage is strip off the evil like a sticky neoprene suit, gong it to death, and then babble something about how we always have a choice, thereby negating the symbolic logic of the entire movie. There's collateral damage and loss of life before it's all over, but upon the resolution, the thoughtful viewer will be confronted by the realization that the person who pays the smallest price for Peter Parker's possession by evil is Peter Parker. As a metaphor for the struggle with human weakness and victory over oneself, that just doesn't cut it for me. There's some terrific eye candy in Spider-Man 3. I was particularly taken with Marco's rebirth as the Sandman, although his climactic battle with Spider-Man had uncomfortable resonances with the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man at the end of Ghostbusters. And some of the action is just crazy kinetic and eye-popping, if not particularly thrilling. No, Spider-Man 3 is not a boring movie, and not really a bad one. But it isn't a good one, either. In fact, it's a mess, and a pretentious mess at that. It wants to be an epic, and I have no idea why. It wants to be entertaining, and it is, but just barely, because it's working so hard to be an epic that it packs in too much plot, because it churns on too many indigestible coincidences, and because it leans too heavily on special effects to keep our attention. And it also wants to be profound, but fails, because, like so many of us, the filmmakers have retreated from examining the true source of human evil. Human evil doesn't come from outer space, or drugs, or alternative lifestyles, or even from Iran. Human evil comes from humans. Show me somebody who can deal with that, in movies or in real life, and I'll show you a superhero. This is Jonathan Sullivan for Escape Hopkins.